When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it, Midweek Editions here at Tale Varsity Radio. We're presented by Currency for all your equipment financing needs. Go Currency, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. And Elijah, how's that victory lap from last night on Twitter? What do you with, mean? With Donnie Raiola. It's it's all right. It's it's I wouldn't call it a victory lap by any means. It's okay. But... You you took Twitter late last night and said, I told ya. Good work on your sources, man. Everyone rolls their eyes. Sources, right? Sources on social media. <laughs> sources with some a-hole on the radio. I've got sources. Well, listen, um, Elijah did some digging, some work, did some uh, some deductive reasoning and mm-hmm. said, you know what? There's a good shot Donnie Raiola stays. Husker Nation is enthralled. Oh, yeah. yeah. Not, not in a – it just depends who you bump into, who you ask. We will – Spend plenty of time uh, because we can and do on Nebraska football, even though it's the offseason, on Donnie Raiola. So that's on our mind as Nebraska basketball have more magic in them. They head to the great state of Indiana against uh, the Hoosiers. The Hoosiers got their lunch money taken, which tends to happen in New Jersey the last time out. Are they ticked off? Is Nebraska poised and ready to make it two in a row against ranked squads? Uh, Two of three straight. So we'll get there. Mike Babcock with us in 15 minutes from HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. I see Babbers in the green room right now. He must have hacked him off. He got out of his big leather chair and he just stormed off. So Babbers, we hope in about 20 minutes. No, we'll talk with Mike Babcock shortly. Uh, we'll spend time with Mike Shuhart. Shuey's a golf dude, but he always has takes on football and basketball. They are unfiltered. It's like Boulevard Wheat, right? He'll just lay it out there. So we'll talk with Shuey from Wilderness Ridge in about 30 minutes. And then Evan Bland from the World Herald. We'll spend time with Andy Markowski, hit the men's and women's Nebraska basketball thoughts as a couple of big wins and Big matchups tonight uh, for, for both teams. And then a jock dock on Lamar Jackson to wind it out. Numbers to get in can join us at 466-3776, 466-3776, toll free 800-825-5865. Some emails to get to uh, when it comes to our interview yesterday with Bay City's head high school football coach. Some reaction there. We're streaming and a lot of you have caught the show after the fact on podcast. We love you to do that, and we thank you for doing that. Uh, a lot of you listen live uh, all over the state, which is wonderful. 
But this is day two of live YouTube TV, or at least the show streaming live on YouTube under the Hale Varsity YouTube channel. So check that out. You want to watch the show, interact that way. You're Mr. Technology, Elijah, so I'll let you monitor the comments. We can do so also in the stream yard if you watch on Facebook, ESPN Lincoln Facebook, ESPN Lincoln Twitter. And we invite you to follow Hale Varsity, uh, the radio Twitter handle at HVarsity Radio. That's a great way to watch coffee and cream every morning. Listen to uh, Damon and Andrew. We ask you to do that. Great folks do an awesome job. So uh, be a part of the team. That's all the particulars. Offensive line, Donnie Raiola. Uh, don't worry about cleaning your office out, son. You are sticking. You are staying. And it was a weird night last night because football scoop was out. And football scoop is, hey, Nebraska's hiring John Garrison. And then there's a loud roar you may or may not have heard from Nebraska football fans because John Garrison's a really awesome Offensive line coach, really good player, uh, was instrumental in putting some of Nebraska's better offensive lines, not just of recent memory, but overall uh, taking guys that ended up playing in the league. And despite some tough circumstances with injury, Nebraska's offensive line, you pair the linemen and you pair the, the running backs that were running back then, Rex and Roy and, and of course, Amir. It was a great unit. They were running for 230 yards a game, 215, uh, and and it worked. It worked really well. So John Garrison's doing well at NC State. And it goes from John Garrison to different outlets reporting, I think, rivals, I think, on three, I think the World Herald, all saying, no, it's Donnie Raiola. As a Nebraska fan, how do you feel about that? That's a loaded question. <laughs> that's, that's the loaded question, but that is the question. And I'll, I'll give my take, and Elijah, you lay out some of your intel on, on the why, and then what's the O-line going to look like with Raiola. Uh, it'll be vastly different, or it better be, than last year. But I my take on Donnie Raiola is I don't think he had – a lot of confident players to work with. I think he had guys that felt bad about no more Greg Austin. Uh, I think he had a, an idea of, of what he wanted to do, and that was more power-based. And I think those guys were could have been capable at doing better. And then I think you had, uh, you had a... You had a, a sushi chef and and you had a meat and potatoes guy working together for an offense. You pick who's who, but the 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 physical brand of ball getting away from the zone blocking and then Whipple wanting to throw it or go empty on fourth and short. Uh, the the run game that was non existent when you had to run the football, the offensive line coach is gonna get blamed for that. So I don't think the Whipple Riola dynamic did anybody any favors. Uh, you factor in Nuri being out, you factor in Teddy getting hurt, you factor in uh, Turner having to flip flop to a third position now in three years. You have a confidence issue probably with Ben Hart. And then you have some guys that are awesome dudes that are just limited with Bando and Hickson, mm-hmm. okay? So that that's your line. And then if somebody goes down, 
You're playing a young pup that can be really good in Lutowski, and then you had Hunter Anthony come in and, and give some minutes because uh, Ben Hart had a bad stretch there um, about three or four games in. It was a mess. It's hard to sift through and have a an absolute grade on him because of everything, uh, the whole ball of wax that he was dragging around. That's my take. Let me see him another year with these kids. That's what you're getting. Would I take Garrison over him? Absolutely. That's not what's happened. And I do think Matt Rule is an offensive line, dare I say, guru. That's where he's cut his teeth. That's what he loves doing. That's what he's about, physical football. He's going to make sure that line is his personality. And after enough interviews and sit-downs, I think him and Raiola are on the same page. He felt really good about what Raiola's philosophy is. I can work with that. I think he knows what he's doing. All right, let's just keep the guy we got. There's your answer. There, there's a, a couple of things to, to to dive into here for me. And, and the first is I see a comment coming in from YouTube, and we do see all your comments. Feel free to, to leave your comments on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, wherever you watch us. Uh, drop us a comment. If you listen on the radio, email Schmitty. That's uh, Chris, Chris at LVarsity.com. Yeah. Yes. But a uh, comment in here from Brett saying, do you think Dylan Raiola is still in plan? I want to lay one thing out completely clearly, and that's that no one who is related to Donovan Ryla has anything to do with Donovan being hired in this position or rehired. You're not going to make that higher. It's not about Dylan. It's not about Dominic. It's not about those guys. It's about Ryla. And I think this hire was made based on potential for what Matt rule sees within uh, Donnie Ryla. And Matt rules made a career off of this, of finding a guy who is young, who is hungry, who has the experience and the, the know-how to be able to eventually be a very good position coach and to, to take him under the wing and say, you know what, you might not know how to be a great coach right now, but I'm going to show you how to be a great coach and we're going to be in this together until you make that next step. And Donovan Royal, I don't think he did a perfect job with the Nebraska offensive line last year. I, I think he was dealt a very bad hand and I'm going to name drop here for just a second because I can now that he's graduated. I ran into Brock Bando last spring and I, I your saw teammates, him around. Your teammates, your friends. I, I saw him around and I said, man, how was spring ball? And you look a little bit different. How's that that new conditioning program under Ryla? Is he whipping you guys into shape? What's going on with that? And he goes, well, we as an offensive line are all down a whole bunch of weight following spring ball. Uh, he said he was... Be specific. Lay it out. I mean, what, what was Ryola asking them to do? Let's just talk about the, the, the summer plan mm-hmm. and then what happened with fall. And quite honestly what they had to shift into. And I hope Brock's not mad at me. He shouldn't be. He's graduated now. It's not like it's going to affect his playing time. So uh, I'll lay it out. And that's that Brock is a guy that since he's been in college has been at that 300, 310 pound weight the entire time he's been in college. Whenever I talk to him this spring, I'm like, he looked different. He's like, I- I'm sitting around 260, 265 pounds. 265. So he was down 50. roughly 40, 50 pounds through spring ball, and that was because Donovan Raiola was trying to, as you said, shift back to more of a power run style, a style that suits him, and to do that, he wanted to reshape a lot of bodies along this offensive line. And the whole plan was to, to drop some weight through spring and, and try to build them back up in a different way this summer. And I think we can see, based on the results of this offensive line and, and how they looked out there, that that wasn't enough time to try and do all of that work, trying to build these guys up, make them lose 40 pounds, and let's build 40 pounds back up this offseason and, and build you up in a different way. That's a time crunch to do it. And is, additionally, is that his idea? Is that Frost's idea? Is that strength and conditioning's idea that here's, here's the timeline we have mm-hmm. to, to drop 40 because you're on a diet 
and then through strength and nutrition, we're going to build you back up 35, 40 pounds. So you're still at that 300 number. And then boom, you have a new body, new mobility to to go into Big Ten season this year. Well, it was an attempt to try to make these guys look more like Big Ten offensive linemen. They haven't quite looked like that through the, the first few years of the Frost era. And last offseason's effort was an effort to try to make these guys more constructed from a from a body size type of looking like Big Ten offensive linemen. And when you're doing that, you're forced to sacrifice a little bit of, of technique work, a, a little bit of uh, you know the X's and O's of football because you're trying to do so much body changing. Then when fall camp rolls around, now it's well now, now we got your bodies closer to where we want them to be, and we had a time crunch. I'm not sure if we were able to do it perfectly how we wanted to do it within six months. That's a, a short it's amount of time ass. to try and do that. And now you're going well. Now we have your bodies different. Now this is the time to, to dive into X's and O's and, and technique and try to get that right. And he was just up against a time crunch. Combine it with the fact that. This is an offensive line that lost probably its best returning starter in Nurdin. And then you had an injury early in the year to Teddy Prohoshka, another guy who was limited through much of the offseason, goes down with another injury. That's another guy that you think was probably going to be a pretty significant contributor this year. And now what are you left with with Donovan Royal? And you're, you're trying to build up technique. And he was put in a very, very tough spot. And I do believe that you're not going to stick and stay in the NFL for, for four years as an assistant offensive line or coach unless you know Dame. what you're doing. Or be at Notre Dame. You're not going to be at Notre Dame unless you know what you're doing. You're not going to be a four-year starter at Wisconsin unless you know how the offensive line works. And from what I saw last year, I do think this offensive line improved as the year went on. Run blocking, marginal improvement, but especially in pass protection, this was a, an offensive line that could not keep Casey Thompson off the ground for a four- or five-game stretch in the middle of the season. And then by the end of the year, you're looking at Wisconsin, you're looking at Iowa. The offensive line was actually able to give him some time in the pocket. He was able to find Trey Palmer. There was improvement there, and I think that's why Matt Rule is, is looking at this and hiring based off potential. It's not about Dylan. It's not about Jim Leonard. It's not about any of that. It's about hiring a guy that you think has potential to be a very good offensive line coach, and Matt Rule thinks that he can take this guy and Donovan Rolla take him under his wing, and turn him into a very good offensive line coach. It's about potential. I don't, I'm not sitting here saying that Donovan Rowe was a great offensive line coach last year, but I don't think he was atrocious. I don't think he was bad, and I think Matt Rule sees potential. It, it ain't all on him. Mm-hmm. Okay, It ain't all on, on Donnie Raiola. And if Rule is going to kind of follow suit with taking an unknown, building up, and together they, they achieve high levels of, of competency, and there's all he he looks at Raiola as a development guy. He thinks Donnie can teach the right techniques and get the O line developed. He needs time to do it. You need time to do it on the offensive line. And you're going on, okay. Lutowski's been in the program a while. Ben Hart's been here a while. Uh, Teddy's been here a while. And half of these guys haven't had an off season to just work. It's been an off season to rehab. Because they're, they're hurt. And to Elijah's point about reshaping your body, you know, you, you have Turner that was probably slated at, at, at playing left guard, body-wise, okay? And then Teddy goes down, Nebraska's best options to throw out a former left tackle, although he's not had a ton of technique work there, grand scheme of things. So you, you throw Turner out at left tackle. Well, they've moved his body shape. To be a guard, you're in trouble. Mm-hmm. That's just one example of Murphy's Law for that offensive line. On top of the fact, how much run inside and outside zone did you practice with contact with Whipple? He wants to throw the football. You're good at what you emphasize. Every coach says that, and if you emphasize the pass, 
Don't expect to be great at third and one getting it against Iowa or Wisconsin or Illinois. Who's with us? We got Pete on the line. Pete, go ahead. Thanks for calling. How you doing today? We're good. We got uh, got about thirty seconds. Fire away. I guess what I've seen on the offensive line, and and I welcome your comments. I've seen a lot of flat-footedness. I did not see the athletic ability in in the offensive line. A good offensive line, you really got to have good feet, and you got to move your feet, and always be in a leverage position. And maybe that can come, but that's kind of what I've seen. I think maybe we need a little better athletic uh, offensive line. Pete, good stuff. Don't disagree with you. That, that kind of speaks to the, the, the position that Ryla was put in with these guys, trying to turn them into something that they're not within a six-month period. Are they not that, or do you need more time than six months to turn them into those athletes? We'll talk some more online. We'll get to more of your comments. Mike Babcock with us. Hail Varsity continues, presented by Currency. And now. And now, back to Hail Varsity Radio. Thanks for spending time. It's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by Currency. You can watch the show on the Hale Varsity YouTube channel, also streaming on Hale Varsity's Twitter handle, Hale Varsity Radio's Twitter handle, at HVarsity Radio. Follow Mike Babcock at MDBabs on Twitter. Babbers, we have this roadie all sorts of planned out. It's grown uh, to, to Boulder. We were joking yesterday with Matt Schick and whether you know it or not, you're, you're renting a Sherman tank for us. Jay Moore, <laughs> Jay Moore is in as our muscle <laughs> once, we get, once we get to Boulder and then uh, Schick may meet us uh, after he's done hanging out with Coach Prime. But it's grown from you, me, and Elijah to go see a Grateful Dead show and then go to the, the, the pre- and post-game uh, in, in, in Nebraska-Colorado festivities too. Uh, to, to, to Jay Moore wearing eye black <laughs> and uh, and Schick probably wearing buff gear. Uh, so let me know if you can find that, that 18-wheeler uh, Sherman tank throwback. Never a dull moment. No, there's, there's not. And there's never a dull moment with Nebraska football. I want to get your reaction to the, the freak out, I guess, over Dottie Riola coming back and I got nothing personal I, I want to see as a guy who grew up in this state good offensive line play for Nebraska it's dare I say a birthright okay and Nebraska needs to get back to that to be competitive and, and win in the Big Ten I think Coach Rule gets that do you trust Rule's judgment here uh, with 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 retaining Donnie and, and you've had uh, conversations with Donnie and some of the the, the roundtable sit-downs, those were minimal with Coach Raiola, but I think he knows offensive line play. He just hasn't had a, a long sample size to show it. Well, I would respect uh, Rule's decision to make that a line coach. I mean, it's his, it's his responsibility, and that's what he thinks he needs to do. Um, this is totally unrelated but it is related in my mind. Um, did you watch the USC Utah game the other night? I, I uh, watched. The, uh, I watched the uh, the fact that USC USC is going to look like they're going to have a heck of a hard time living in the Big Ten week to week. Yeah, and, and I thought Utah played exactly the way you play when you're in the Big Ten. You know, I think Kyle Whittingham had that team that was just grit, and they had a, they were grinders. And that's the way Nebraska has to be. 
And I think it, that if, if uh, Coach Rule thinks that Donovan Raiola is the guy that can get the job done to get that offense going, um, because that's where it starts uh, with the offensive line, then I respect his choice. I mean, he's obviously he's making a lot of money to make those kind of decisions, and he's comfortable with that. So let's uh, let's move forward and see if if that can happen. The other thing I, in that respect that he mentioned at the news conference when he was introduced was uh, something about physical practices. Do you remember that? Yes. I mean, I think that's really important uh, in the development of the offensive line is you have to have physical practices um, and uh, you run the risk, I guess, of guys getting hurt. But in the long run, it becomes one of those cliche kind of things it's tougher in practice than it is when you get to the game now now mike do you think that matt rule went back and, and watched him film from practice last year and was counting up how many offensive linemen were throwing up at any given practice you think that played into this i don't know if that played into it or not maybe you should be the offensive line coach the the here. old elijah puke count Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, some some head coaches would think that's a pretty important statistic. I don't want to go back to Pute Gate too hard, yeah. but but maybe that's uh, maybe that's where this all started. Maybe Matt Rule saw that and said, "That's what I want in my offensive line coach." <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's it's a it's not an easy thing. You know, it, it's it's a tough thing to be uh, to play that position and to be successful at that position. Um, you have to commit. And uh, you make some sacrifices in order to do it. But, uh, again, I think that if Coach Rule thinks that Donovan Raiola is the person to get the job done, and I, you know, I appreciate your comment about, you know, it's not about Dominic Raiola, it's not about Dylan Raiola, it's about Donovan. You know, can he get the job done? And that I think Coach Rule thinks that he can. Well, yeah, and, Mike, uh, on, a, on a serious note here, and I think this kind of gets – to the point you're making is I don't think this decision was based on what Matt Rule saw from Donovan Royal last year. I think that probably played a little bit into it. And I think that may be why this took so long to get announced, probably because uh, Rylo probably wasn't his first choice to be offensive line coach. But I don't think this hire was made based on what Rylo did last year, but more based on the potential that Matt Rule sees within Rylo to be an offensive line coach. Yeah, I think the potential that he sees, and, and even though he was an assistant offensive line coach in the NFL, he had that kind of experience. And I think that that, you know, that uh, that rule uh, looks at that, you know, that that's a significant part of it, you know, that uh, that's important that they can connect on that level. Mike Babcock with us uh, from Hale Varsity Magazine, HaleVarsity.com, at MDBabs on Twitter. Mike, uh, a thought here with uh, a job that's now open, and that is Purdue. We'll get to Husker Hoops in a moment. But the Purdue gig's open. Brom headed to Louisville. He's headed home there. Uh, it's incredible for him to take Purdue to a Big Ten title game. And, and you know, they're going to be a yo-yo program. And, I mean, 8-4, and 9-4, and four, impressive. But, you know, are you going to have a Northwestern type down here? Very possible at, at Purdue. Louisville's had a little more uh, sustainability, at least with – talent in the region is that a is that a job that if you're Purdue you go look at Jim Leonard uh to uh, to pluck him from Wisconsin or do you think Leonard makes a lateral move uh, maybe to Nebraska Nebraska takes a big swing financially at him 
because of his perceived relationship with with Riola, first of all, teammates, but second of all, uh, go uh, stick to Wisconsin every year uh, with the other Big Red? Um, you know, that's a good question. I think that Leonard, it would, it would seem that Leonard and Chris earlier um, had a great connection with the players. That's the thing that, that impressed me most. Um, and it, you know, it, it probably began with Chris, but I think it carried down to Leonard so that when that decision was made not to hire him, there were a lot of uh, players that weren't real happy with that whole situation. Connection with players, I think that's important. I think that's really a good thing. And and uh, I think it would be a good decision on Nebraska's part or a good hire on Nebraska's part if they could bring him in. I don't know if he's looking at the opportunity that Purdue represents. It surprised me a little bit that Brom would leave because I thought he had Purdue going in a direction that that uh, Purdue hasn't had for a while, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, so that was a tough deal. It's it's almost like the the transfer portal here, here with coaches, like we're <laughs> yeah. we're looking at this uh, situation in the Big Ten, and, and you know, we've got. Uh, couple of new coaches we're going to have another one um they're moving around here uh, and of course everybody's talking about colorado and and uh Deion sanders um it's it, it comes back to me a little bit like transfer portal time here with with coaches but um getting back to the question i it would be i think it would be a good hire for nebraska if they could get leonard because of the experience and and you know the relationship between the coach um, Riola and, and, and Leonard, but um, again, I you know I don't know where that stands, and I don't know what his aspirations are, possibly to be a head coach. Well, yeah, and, and Mike, I'm sort of in the boat that I think that's a little bit of wishful thinking, but I think Nebraska can get his attention with the kind of salary pool that that Matt Rule has for his assistant coaches. I think with a, a, a right sized offer, I think you could get his attention. But then I also look back to the fact that he could be looking for a, a head coaching gig in college, or he could even be looking at NFL. NFL, NFL to go be a defensive coordinator. I mean, his services are are in high demand right now. And while I think Nebraska could realistically be in play if they make the the right offer in terms of dollars and cents, it still seems like wishful thinking just with the amount of opportunities that I'm sure Jim Leonard will have. Well, he turned Green Bay down, you know, a, a year ago, so. Uh, he's uh, his phone's been probably ringing off the hook, but he does fit the mold of what Matt Rule says he wants an assistant coaches in terms of young and hungry and looking to prove themselves. Well, you've got Riola retained. He's a Big Ten guy because of his time at Wisconsin. Okay, you go get Leonard. He's absolutely a Big Ten guy and an, and a former interim. So that helps beef up your your staff and your knowledge of the league uh, with a number of these guys coming into the league for the first time. Mike, uh, I want to wrap with this. Thoughts on Nebraska basketball. The, the men uh, have another tough task. They're at Indiana tonight, but, man, they've got some momentum going. How do you feel about uh, tip-off here coming up uh, with the Big Red at Indiana? Well, I think if they can play with the kind of grit that they played against uh, Creighton, um, I think it's going to be an interesting game at Indiana. The, the problem is that that Indiana, for one thing, and the other thing is Indiana has a good team. No question about that. But I was really impressed um, because Creighton has a really good team as far as I'm concerned. And Nebraska with that grit and that defense. And we've got a couple of black shirts there on uh, basketball (laughs) (laughs) 
Now, um, I think that makes it a, a more anticipation that I would have had if I hadn't seen that Creighton game. You know, if if Creighton game had had gone the way I expected it to go, I probably wouldn't be too uh, fired up to to see what was going to happen at Indiana. But because of that, because I see and the difference that it's made with Derek Walker back, um, I, I think that's been significant. So um, I think Nebraska will, with the grit, will will give Indiana a go. Mike, what's your take on candy-striped warm-up pants? That's been uh, <laughs> something that's been going through my mind today. I think it's a bit of a fashion faux pas. I get the the whole classic look behind it, but what's your take? Um. I'll pass on that question. <laughs> You're not wearing candy stripe warm-ups right now, Babbers. No. Uh, no, I don't have anything that would be considered candy stripe. Well, I think that answers uh, the question. Way. That answers the question what Mike thinks of him. Babbers is rocking some corduroy right now, I think. Staying warm. I like it. So, no for Mike Babcock on, on owning a pair of, of candy stripe, but uh, no comment on uh, them as a fashion choice. Mike will right. whatever the choice whoever makes the choice that's 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 their business yeah that's, that's that's uh, that's an old Bob Knight thing so uh, do do it do it that as as you will and an undefeated season in a national championship speaks for itself way back in 76 Mike be good enjoy your week we'll check in next week thanks for your time sounds good thanks for having me guys. there he is love him there he is Mr. Foot, Husker football Mike Babcock at MD Babs on Twitter's where you find him. We'll head to the golf course. Mike Schuhart will have some, uh, no doubt, some thoughts on hoops and football. Evan Bland, less than an hour away on Hale Varsity. Like what you hear? High quality radio and podcasts are just part of what we do at Hale Varsity. I'm Brandon Vogel, managing editor. I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity radio show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Busy hour two on the way. Andy Markowski joins us to talk Oscar basketball, men's and women's, and we'll spend time with Evan Bland. We head to the golf course. Pretty pleasant day. Maybe a little bit chilly to putt for dough, but Mike Schuhart's making sure those greens stay beautiful. Uh, Wilderness Ridge, where you find Mike Schuhart. Uh, Shuey, how's the uh, the week been? How are you, how you doing, man? Doing good. You Go are for, waiting for some white snow to fall. So you're, sure that's ever- you're it. <laughs> hey, I, I was just saying to him during the break, I'm hoping for a white Christmas this year. It's been a while. Well, I'll be in Arizona. So you guys do whatever the hell you want. Um, yeah, boy. <laughs> uh, Shuey, you're a, as big a Nebraska fan as there is, man. You love football. You love hoops. So tell, take me through your Sunday with Nebraska Creighton. I'm sure you were a little loud and proud. Actually, I was, uh, I, was, I think I was in a lesson, so I didn't really get to watch it <laughs> until I got out of the lesson and I looked on my phone and it said Nebraska was up by 10 and I about fainted. <laughs> so I was like, how did that happen? So very impressive, man. That was exciting to see. Well, uh, they have another shot to, 
kind of prove it or, or play well against another ranked team. But optimism has been fleeting around some of the major programs. And, and a win like that brings a little bit back. Uh, a higher-like rule brings a little bit back. And, uh, you know, onward and upward, as they say. So the, the big news today has been uh, Donnie Raiola being retained. And uh, what's, what's your take? What's your thought? Uh, is it all his, air quote, fault for the offensive line play? Or do you look at it from a coach's perspective that there are things outside of your control that you're trying to wrangle that, that takes longer than a year? Well, my I was pretty harsh on that uh, Unit. part of the offense. <laughs> you so and me both. You and me both, Stewie. That it's like, wow, you know, it's like, what does he bring to the table? But then as I listen more to people that I trust and believe that know, I think some of his faults were that he was a little handcuffed in what he was able to do. You know, it's like some of the things that I think he wanted to do and thought would work. I don't, I'm not sure that Whipple was on the same page of running kind of the same things. So I think some of that was he was a little handcuffed, um, being able to do exactly what he wanted to do. You know, it was, you know, he's only been there a year. Um, it wasn't very good, but at least at the end of the season, it showed signs of being better. You know, so. I don't know. That that was probably the most surprising because personally, I thought he'd be one of the first guys to go, and now he's one of the probably only ones they're going to retain. So I mean, pretty surprising when I look at it. It's like you got to trust your rule, you know, that he saw something or sees something. You know, he's an NFL guy, so and he's a very intense guy and he's a really hardworking guy. So I think he obviously saw a lot of things in there he liked that he thinks he can do a good job. So I'm going to trust in what he thinks at this point in time. Mike Schwartz with us here. It's Hale Varsity Radio. And Mike, uh, Schmitty hit on this in his last question, just kind of related to optimism. And I think for some Husker fans out there today, maybe took away a little optimism along the offensive line. And I'm not in that boat. I, I'm still in wait and see mode uh, with Ryle. I'm not fully on board. I'm not fully against it. Uh, I do have some trust in Rule, and I can see why Rule made this hire. But just just give me your general feeling surrounding the, the major men's sports in Nebraska with the basketball team and the football team. I think if you would have asked this question, a month ago, a lot of people would have been pretty pretty down on both these programs. But now the Husker football team took down Iowa, a new head coach in place. The Husker basketball teams beat Creighton. It almost feels like a new day in Nebraska. No question. I mean, optimism. Um, winning cures a lot of things, you know. And when you start see, see a, like the basketball team, man, they haven't beaten Creighton for I don't know how long. It's been a long time. So when you see them, you know, take down somebody that they've had a hard time with, how they played, you know, and they don't. You know, same with football. You're bringing in somebody that's, you know, looking at his resume and what he's done in the past. That brings optimism to what possibly can be. So, I mean, it's like you said, a month ago, not, not a whole lot of optimism in anything. You know, a month later, there's a ton of optimism on what the potential is and where they can go. And you had a basketball team that actually showed it. So that, that, you know, brings even more optimism on what possibly could happen. They play good tomorrow, win or lose, but if they, they, they look competitive in what they're doing, again, optimism. So winning, winning cures a lot of things. 
Mike Schuarts with us, Wilderness Ridge Golf. Should we get a switch over golf? You got the match going Saturday night. Uh, you have Rory and Tiger teaming up against Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas. It's going to be outside the Pelican Golf Club. You ever played Pelican? I have not. Not yet, sure right? Not yet. One of these days. <laughs> well, take me uh, through uh, what do you think here about this 12-hole match uh, with, uh, with Tiger and Rory and Jordan and Justin? It'll be very entertaining. I mean, you got Tiger, Tiger, anytime Tiger's in the field, I mean, it brings a lot of um, excitement. Roy had one of the best seasons probably ever of Tigerish type of season. And then you got the two guys everybody loves, you know, Jordan and Justin. So um, it'll be really fun. It'll be a lot of trash talking, guarantee you. I found it interesting. I read an article the other day that Tiger was talking to his son, Charlie. Mm-hmm. And he said, son, don't imitate my golf swing. Imitate Rory's. So I thought that was quite interesting. I mean, Tiger, arguably the best that's ever played, is telling his kid to copy somebody else. So that was pretty interesting. Mike, while we're talking Tiger in the match, Tiger uh, had an interview a couple days ago where he said that uh, the best non-golfers he's ever golfed with are either uh, John Smoltzer or Tony Romo. And I want to pose that question to you. Who's the best non-golfer you have ever golfed with? Al Del Greco. Really? The kicker? The kicker. So I was in Arizona playing one time, and he just happened to join our group. And and I, I knew who he was because being a sports guy. So we went out and played. Now, he was really good. I was very impressed. Al Del Greco. He not can't. not Chris Schmidt? No. <laughs> Shuey, bless Shuey's heart. Shuey's not ever uh, sat in the cart with me and, and dared to play with me. <laughs> Shuey, Shuey'd be dehydrated from being sick watching me play. Uh, oh, but, no. But, uh, no, Shuey's the best. Uh, get to Wilderness Ridge. Talk to Shuey about lessons, about some training. Uh, for sure, that membership so you can get on the course when it warms up. And, Shuey, lots going on here uh, around the holiday season, about 30 seconds. Uh, Wilderness, always a great spot to, to do some holiday celebrating. Always. They got, uh, um, what is it, Christmas with Santa? I think that's on Sunday. So That's awesome. See a lot of kids out there sitting on Santa's lap and, and uh, enjoying that, so that's fun. So we got our, we'll have our Christmas sales going on. Lights are up, music's playing, so it's a great time. I'm going to go see old St. Nick and sit on his lap and see if uh, he goes ba- he goes bad Santa on me or not, uh, forcibly <laughs> removed. Uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, Mike Schuhart's with us, Wilderness Ridge Golf. Uh, get logged on today, wildernessridgegolf.com, and uh, check into membership, specials, sales, and, of course, uh, the lessons with Shuey. Shuey, we love you, brother. We'll talk next week. Thanks for the time. You bet. Thanks for having me on. Stay safe. All right. Will do, partner. There he is, Mike Schuart. Evan Bland coming up. Andy Markowski on the way. It's Hale Varsity. We're presented by Currency. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Hour two on the way. It's Hale Varsity. We're presented by Currency. For all your equipment financing needs, go Currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Streaming here in the stream yard and also on Hale Varsity, the YouTube channel. It's uh, live and in uh, full HD goodness. Uh, that Elijah, get a little closer. That that stash and the, uh, the, the, the whiskers are coming through a little bit. 
Uh, you're trying to go full St. Nick. Chad emails in. Chad in Hastings can hear us in Hastings on 1460 and 1550 and uh, 92.7, 92.1 with uh, Doug Duda and crew out there. Uh, today, a great day. Jeff Brom is out <laughs> of the Big Ten West. Hell, that's almost better than getting Matt Rule. Kind of kidding. Hopefully now Purdue gets a Purdue gets a lame ass for their coach. Well, the the thing is, is Purdue what set them apart from the rest of the Big Ten aside from maybe Maryland is just how different they were yeah, every single week. How good he was offensively. Well, yeah, Brom, and, and, but it prevented presented a different challenge than just about anyone else in the Big Ten. Like you looked at Nebraska's stretch at the end of the season, your game plan for Michigan, Wisconsin, Iowa, all those teams, volleyball, pretty similar. Pretty similar game plan, but then, oh, Purdue's coming to town. we got to install a completely different game plan this week. It always made things very difficult when you played Purdue, and that's why you saw a lot of big dogs in the Big Ten seemingly out of nowhere go struggle against a team like Purdue. So I'll be curious to see what Purdue does next, whether they want to stay being the the weird different kid on the block or if they want to go back and, and be more of a traditional Big Ten type team by installing a guy like you know Jim Litter. He it's was curious to see what they're going to do. Such a great hire for them. Because they, they had some signature moments where they they had their win a couple of years ago in Iowa City when Iowa was number two. They had their, let's dismantle Ohio State on national TV. Uh, let's also find a quarterback every year and just have that quarterback develop and improve and chuck it around Aiden O'Connell this year in year 74. But point is, is they, they, they have quarterbacks in that region, they're they're kind of an afterthought in their own state. Uh, there's Indiana basketball, there's Notre Dame football, then there's Purdue, but they have won. I mean, 17 and I think eight in his last two years, a Big Ten West title. They beat Illinois this year, so they could muscle up. They had a bad outing. They got dominated defensively by Jim Leonard. But they also had some impressive wins, and they escaped with uh, their life against Nebraska. So they, they are, I don't want to say they're inconsistent, they're just not dominant, but they've had their share of wins against the Iowas. Uh, they've, had their, they've been really good against Nebraska. They, I think, had a wow win where, again, they got to play bully ball and won at Minnesota. Got a little lucky with no Mo Ibrahim that day, but Purdue earned it, and it was a, a log jam uh, for the West this year. It was down. Uh, but hey, um, uh, so I'll be curious. I, I say I'll be curious to see if Purdue goes and gets somebody who's a little bit more traditionally Big Ten, or if they try to try to keep this going. Because I mean, you might have just caught lightning in a bottle with a guy in Jeff Brom that can come in and play something completely different. He he gets it. He he's that good at scheming. Period. And, and this almost brings me back to what we've been talking about all hour with with Donovan Royal. Mm-hmm. And one of the main selling points with him is the fact that he knows the Big Ten and knowing the Big Ten is so important in this conference. I mean, he's only coached one year in the Big Ten, and I think he he took some lumps last year on that learning process as a coach. But he spent four years as Wisconsin offensive lineman, and knowing the Big Ten is so important. And I do wonder how much that played in with with Matt Rule keeping Royal around. Here, here's the true question, and we don't know: Is he a bad chef, or did he have stale groceries? That's it. Or was he trying to use some groceries to fit into a, a meal that didn't quite work? You right. Know? He was serving uh, vegetarian lasagna <laughs> to a bunch of hungry meat eaters. <laughs> right. Evan Bland, he'll weigh in. Uh, we're not anti-Donnie Hire at all. Really kind of fits the, the uh, rule wheelhouse. More on that 
with Evan Bland coming up hour two on Hale Varsity. Your child has brain cancer. Can you imagine hearing those words about your own child? Nearly 5,000 families each year hear this life-changing diagnosis and live daily with the fear it brings. When a child is diagnosed with brain cancer, their lives are forever changed. The treatments used to treat children are toxic and cause damage to their developing bodies that can affect them for the rest of their lives. 95% of children who survive brain cancer will develop a significant health condition by the age of 45 as a direct result of the toxic treatments. This includes diagnosis of another cancer later in life or other countless deadly health problems. Our kids are special, and we need to treat them that way. By making a donation to the Team Jack Foundation, you fund research that leads to safer, more effective treatments, giving kids hope. You can be the difference. You can fund the cure. Join us and donate today by visiting teamjackfoundation.org. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Back into it, it's Hour 2, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by Currency. For all your equipment financing needs, go Currency. Evan Bland with us from the Omaha World. Harold gets to talk some ball with us here in Nebraska football. The offseason that uh, never ends, <laughs> keeps cranking up, can find Evan on Twitter at Evan Bland, O-W-H. Evan, th- this has been fiercely debated since... About 8 o'clock last night, the uh, Donnie Raiola decision. Uh, no official release as we talk by the university, but uh, uh, media reports out there indicate that that is going to be the O-line pick. Uh, the one guy from the Frost staff that gets retained. Uh, reaction to, to Donnie uh, back in the trenches. Yeah, I mean, I was surprised uh, and we reported that here this morning too to, to confirm but it was uh you know of all the the assistants that had been on staff um that was one that i i really thought that they would go in a different direction and, and you know to donovan Rilla's credit um he he stuck the interviews that he he had with uh with marcus satterfield and matt rule and um was able to continue on as Nebraska's coach, um, you know, I, I think it, 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 one of the discussion points that it kind of stirs in me is this idea of how do you really uh, gauge the value of an assistant, especially after just one year where it's, you know, clearly when Scott Frost hired rail, he saw something in him and, and clearly Matt rule saw something in him to retain him. And so what we see on the outside, which was, you know, a struggling offensive line and, and things of that nature. You just, you wonder how much of that really plays into this thing. Um, you know, he, he doesn't, he doesn't have much of a, a track record in terms of recruiter. He was with a division three school. I believe it was for a short time, had a stint in the NFL uh, and then jumped into this position at Nebraska. So we'll see how it plays out in that regard. And the other thing that stands out to me with this is when you look at Matt rule and his decade as a head coach, this sort of hire actually falls in line with what he's done elsewhere, where, where a number of different player, uh, different uh, assistants that he's hired over time 
have come from maybe minor NFL backgrounds or they were maybe directors of player personnel or, or things behind the scenes and they became assistant coaches and he's actually had some success with guys like that. Guys like Elijah Robinson, who's the DL, uh, D-line coach at, at Texas A&M or, or Fran Brown, who's now a DB's coach at Georgia. I mean, these were guys that Matt Rule gave a chance to when the resumes said, eh, you know, maybe. Um, so I think that's interesting. And you look at his current crop of assistants, that we know of right now, a lot of guys in their mid thirties, Rayola, uh, I think turns 40 here this week. So he falls into that line too. But I, I think clearly when you look at the big picture, uh, Matt rule has a vision for the kinds of assistance that he wants to retain and keep on staff. And, uh, through some of those traits, uh, Donovan Rayola has clearly shown those. And now he's going to stick with the Oscars moving forward. Evan Bland's with us here at Tail Varsity Radio. And Evan, before we get back into to what this retention of, of Donovan Royal means, can we quickly spend some time on John Garrison? That was a weird 15-minute report last night. John Garrison's going to be the next offensive line coach at Nebraska. What was up with that? Do you know? <laughs> well, I mean, when a, when a leak like that comes out, I think that was Football Scoop who put that out. Uh, you know, they're really well connected with agents especially so maybe there was a miscommunication there maybe it was john garrison himself who thought uh he he had an in to something there but it's it was weird because typically those guys are pretty plugged in to that level of the industry and so for them to backtrack quickly um was odd there's no doubt about it and and, you know i think that was another layer to this thing is uh you know fans know who john garrison is he's he's been a nebraska assistant before and so i i think by by most measures, he's considered to have a pretty good tenure here when he was here previously. So maybe that added a little bit to the the public angst uh, of, of keeping Raiola uh, when, when you think that Garrison could have been in play. So I don't know if, if Garrison wanted to be here, uh, if he thought he would be here, you know, what the particulars were at that point. Um, but, you know, again, it didn't turn out that way. And, and I think when you look at what Rule has done with, with offensive line coaches in the past, he's kind of cycled through a number of them. Um, he's had, you know, a guy here for two years and, and a guy there for one year um, before they move on, different things like that. So uh, having a name guy I know was something a lot of fans were looking for. And they got a guy that whose name they know. It just uh, turned out to be different than maybe what they expected. Evan Bland with us. I look at Garrison's path, right, and and he and Barney Cotton not only recruited some some good linemen, but guys that went on to the next level. Some are still playing, some are retired. Reached out to a handful of those guys last night, and it was news to them about John Garrison. It was a wish list item, and, and I just wonder if he's in line for a co-coordinator as well as a position coach right because he's done really well at nc state and Mm -hmm. he's produced award winners he's produced nfl guys when he was in lincoln he was responsible being a blue strings blue springs missouri kid he did a wonderful job of recruiting the kansas city area so uh that 500 mile radius region he was wonderful with for for nebraska and bow You fast forward to to being in Carolina now, you wonder with Beck moving on if there's potential for him to either get a bump or some upward mobility as far as responsibility. And I I believe that Raiola wasn't a a first choice probably for Rule, but I think as hands-on as Rule can be with the offensive line, 
I think this is a perfect opportunity to to mold Raiola with what type of offensive line play Rule wants. I don't think we really know, do you, uh, Evan, just what Nebraska has in the offensive line because they haven't been full strength under Raiola. Oh, right. I mean, it's it's hard to evaluate what he what his what Raiola's performance was because yeah, you had a guy who was suspended last year. You had. Uh, you know, multiple injuries crop up with guys like Prohaska. And, and so it's tough to, you know, how much of that do you put on the coach? I don't know. Um, but again, there's so much more to it than I think what we even see just on, on game days. Um, you know, the, the Royal thing is interesting too. I think maybe it'll make more sense as we go along and the rest of the staff is assembled because when you think, you know, you think about last year, when Nebraska was looking for an offensive line coach uh, and they went through a couple options. And I think it was safe to say that Rayola was not the number one choice at that time, but he was the number one choice uh, in, in terms of the, the money that they had available for an assistant. And so you wonder with this pool of, of $7 million now for assistant coaches that Nebraska has, which is awfully competitive nationally, uh, you know, how does that thing get divvied up? Because like I said earlier, you look at some of these assistants and you've got a lot of guys in their 30s. Um, you know, there aren't many exceptions to that. Ed Foley's been around for a while. Um, you know, Satterfield, I think, is in his mid-40s and has experience. But a lot of these guys, you would think, would be on the lower end of some of the, the pay scales, relatively speaking. You know, 400000 500000 I think Raiola makes somewhere in that range right now. And so depending on how the rest of this thing shakes out, maybe there'll be more light shed on that. You know, there's still no defensive coordinator and a guy named Jim Leonard just became available uh, who's leaving Wisconsin. That's a guy who could command a million bucks or more. You know, that's, that's not unheard of in the big 10 anymore. So, uh, you know, does, does hiring somebody uh, at a relative bargain allow you to go out and bring in a, a more high profile assistant somewhere else than that? rule also trust so we'll see how all that plays out but you know i I think the other thing that's a little bit different about this pattern too is he rayola has not had a connection with matt rule you know everybody else has worked with him at the panthers or had run-ins with him at temple or wherever else Uh, that's not the case with rayola so uh, it's going to be a really fascinating decision i think to to evaluate in the coming years and we'll see um you know if matt rules eye for coaching talent is as good as what his eye has been elsewhere in terms of prospecting. You nailed it with the the eye for coaching talent. Another box that is checked with Riola uh, is is the connection to Jim Leonard, uh, and also you want guys that have either coached in or played in the Big Ten. Uh, Donnie Riola is one of those guys with his time at Wisconsin. Last thought here on on just the the jury part of, of Raiola. And for me, it's the jury's out. And, and I know the O-line wasn't great, uh, specifically when they had to run the football. That's been a Nebraska problem for a long time. How much of that is emphasis on the run technique or did he have a fighting shot at all? Was it knife and gun fight type deal because of his offensive coordinator? and Whipple wanting to, to chuck the football all the time. I don't know that that dynamic or that match was was a great fit with philosophy, right? Uh, Raiola seems to be a guy that wants to pound the football or was brought in to pound the football, and 
there's old Whip wanting to throw the football on empty, right, on fourth, fourth and short. So difference in philosophy, maybe that was not a great fit from the get-go. Maybe. I mean, the, the whole idea of complimentary football sort of eluded Nebraska and has eluded Nebraska for a while. Um, so, I mean, if you're a great O-line coach, like you said, and your offensive coordinator wants to throw the ball – and, uh, you know, your, your offense just gets out-possessed by 15 minutes a game, um, it is. It's tough to, to sort of uh, evaluate that. And, you know, offensive line, more than most positions, most likely if you're Nebraska or any major school, you're not going into the transfer portal and bringing in impact offensive linemen. There just aren't that many of them. You can rebuild quickly at, at receiver. You can bring in a quarterback, uh, defensive back. You can find speed. But if you find a quality O lineman in the portal, they're going to get they're going to be getting thirty or forty offers. That's just how the market has been. And so, you know, the the real mark of an O line coach right now is not just bringing in talent, but then being able to develop and and mold that talent. And obviously, in in one year, you're not able to evaluate any of that, um, at least from that O line perspective. So, you know. If, you, if he's if he's being asked to run block more, if there's more of an emphasis on possessing the football and winning in, in ways that Iowa's and, and the Minnesotas of the world do, then you're probably looking a little bit better. Um, but you know, again, it's just it's so hard to evaluate one position, especially offensive line, when you have one year you had a, a mishmash of philosophies on that staff last season. It's going to be a lot more aligned moving forward, and so. You know, yeah, we'll we'll see how it goes. One thing I'll say about Matt Rule so far is the moves that they've made. He's made with conviction. I mean, not uh, the Mickey Joseph decision was out of his hands, obviously. But you bring you retain Riola. Your first commit is a zero-star receiver who has speed. I mean, that's that's coming from a coach who has conviction for what he wants to do and what he believes in. And so it's going to be really fascinating to watch it play out. Well, it should be noted, Evan, that as of today, Bryce Turner got bumped from a zero star to a three star. So read into that what you will. Given the Nebraska uh, offer, you're up to a three. But back to the offensive line, Evan, with as much as, as Matt Rule emphasized in his press conference and in previous years, lines of scrimmage, do you, do you think that Matt Rule might be a little bit more hands-on with the offensive line under Donovan Ryle than, than most head coaches might be? Uh, yeah, I think that's certainly possible. I think he's more hands-on with a lot of his coaches. Um, you know, I'm working on a piece for this weekend, uh, having sort of listened to a number of his assistants at previous stops, kind of talk about their relationship with with Matt Rule. And, you know, he's a guy who absolutely pours into the guys who are under him. And then that's not to say that he micromanages or whatever, but he doesn't also just sort of leave them to do their own thing. Like, there's very much of a, an interaction um, an interactive, I suppose, component to what to what they do, and so yeah, I think he likes having younger coaches. He likes the energy. Um, you know, he likes guys who are who are themselves moldable and willing to uh, adjust and and, and learn and, and try different things. And so, you know, again, Raul is relatively young in this industry. He's, he's just turning forty. Uh, not a ton of college football experience as a coach. Somebody who who is not set in his ways or or has an established way of doing things, so it'll be interesting. And yeah, I think whether that's uh, rule pouring into Rayola or that's rule, uh, you know, coming in and, and and being more direct with some of the players, I think that position will get more attention 
than it maybe it has in Nebraska in, in the recent past. Evan, real quick, do you think Leonard could land at Purdue, or do you think uh, there's a better shot he could land in Lincoln, or, or are you taking the field? That's a great question. I mean, how about him coming out and, and breaking his own news after there had been reports that he was staying on at Wisconsin? Uh, you know, it, it's interesting because, like, when a guy like that becomes available, the knee-jerk reaction to the first thing you think of is, okay, where is he from, and can he sort of migrate back that way? Well, he's leaving where he was from. And so uh, I, I would be curious to know if he is motivated to stay in the Big Ten and would want to face his alma mater on a year-in, year-out basis, or if he would rather go uh, elsewhere. But, I mean, he's a Big Ten guy. It would make a lot of sense. Um, you know, if he were to be the, become the Purdue head coach, man, that would be a big change from Jeff Brom yeah. uh, as, as one of the big offensive masterminds in the sport to a guy who who's, you know, one of the, the leading defensive guys. And I think it's possible, too, that you could see him end up in the NFL down the road. I mean, the Green Bay Packers came after him a couple of years ago, if you recall, and so maybe he kind of figures now's the time to jump to the next level too. So I think I would probably take the field at this point on his next destination. But if you're Nebraska, man, I mean, you've got some money to work with. Again, uh, multiple Big Ten coordinators are making north of seven figures at this point. Uh, put an offer out there. See, make him say no. And as we've learned over the years, uh, sometimes you don't know what guys are thinking. You have to go out there, make the offer, and then let them decide, and we'll see what happens. Evan Bland with us. Evan, take care. Thanks for the time today. Thanks, guys. Hello, listener. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price. That means that you can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back into it at Hale Varsity, Nebraska basketball back at it. They head to is it John, just John Cougar or is it John Cougar Mellon Camp Country? I forget, but uh, uh, it's Indiana. It's Assembly Hall. It's the candy striped warm ups, all those good things. Uh, we welcome in the Pride of Ord Husker basketball standout and assistant with the Pious Girls, Andy Markowski, with us at Markowski underscore Andy. Andy, uh, how'd you celebrate the Creighton win? First, there. Uh, we'll start there. Well, I, I tell you what, I was coming off the hills of a, of a Maryland uh, Nebraska women's uh, upset. My wife and I were in uh, Washington D.C. airport at the bar watching the uh, the Creighton Nebraska men's game. So all in all, it was uh, certainly an easy travel day home when you're uh, having, <laughs> having a chance to watch both of those wins. Well, let's start with uh, Alexis and the Husker women, and man, ninety points. What uh, what what a job done by Coach Williams and company, and uh, just a pretty complete performance. You had to be pro- you had to be smiling. Yeah, they they had a really good second half. Um, you know, Maryland has certainly had our number. For, you know, I think we were zero and fifteen uh, up to that point in in the Big Ten, and um, 
you know, our, our, our better players, uh, you know, really play well. I mean, Jazz had a great game. Izzy Bourne had a great game. You know, Widener um, almost a double-double. And then, you know, I thought Alexis was really solid in the second half. So, you know, for this team to be good and, and for, for teams to win league road games, your, your best players have to play well. And in the second half, I, I thought, you know, all four of those really, you know, really competed. And, uh, you know, I, I think hopefully that gives them a little bit of confidence uh, as tonight will be a difficult Wisconsin and then a couple of good non-conference games uh, to get you into the Christmas break. Before you look ahead to Wisconsin, what changed between that Virginia Tech game and that Maryland game? It looked like two different Husker women's teams. I know you got to look at the competition. Virginia Tech's a very good basketball team this year, but what changed on the Husker side of things? Well, the, the fourth quarter was was strange, right? I mean, if, if you if you look at um, you know Alexis had hit a three uh, to end the, uh, the the third quarter to to have it at ten, uh, where you felt like you had a little bit of momentum, and then that fourth quarter just just really got away from them. And um, you know, I'm not saying that they quit because it's a tough group, but but certainly it was uh, it was a long quarter. You know, nothing was falling offensively. So you know, you take that. The fourth quarter off the board. I, I thought they were competitive in the Virginia Tech game, and they, they're really good. I mean, they you know they, they have the ACC Player of the Year, and they got two transfer guards that were all conference players. Um, so Virginia Tech is going to be a you know probably a two or three seed in the tournament. You know, at home, coming off of a of a Puerto Rico trip that that I I, I think was probably too many road games in a row. Um, you know, in the, in the Maryland game, I think they they caught some energy. They saw the ball go through the hoop and were able to. You know, to just put a really complete half together. Um, but you know, give Virginia Tech credit. You know, certainly, you know, um, they they, they own Nebraska in, in that fourth quarter, and you know, give give Nebraska credit to, to come back and, and win a you know a really hard place to win at at Maryland. Andy Markowski is with us. Husker basketball on our mind. Hail Varsity Radio. Andy, with the, the Creighton win, uh, what can that do for Fred and in, in this team this season? Well, you know, certainly, um, you know, you feel better about yourselves. I mean, uh, I think Nebraska fans, uh, it was, you know, very unexpected. But, you know, I, I started, you know, what, what caught my attention is I saw the Purdue-Florida State score um, a couple days earlier. And I think Purdue, you know, it was only like a 10-point game where you're like, okay, like, like, you know, everybody just kind of said, hey, Boston College isn't very good. Florida State's not very good. You know, and I, and I said, uh, you know, in my mind, I'm like, you know, those teams might not be as, as bad as what maybe people thought on paper because Nebraska wasn't getting you know, much credit, mm-hmm. right? We did that. So uh, it, it can help. It, it certainly is, is a confidence builder. Um, I, I think it rallies, uh, you know, a fan base. It, it, it puts energy back in PBA. Um, you know, Creighton is, you know, didn't, didn't play their, their best game, but I, I felt – game plan, the ability to, to grind through a game plan when things weren't going great, and, and certainly having Walker back, um, if they would have had him the first five or six games, I don't know how many wins or losses uh, would have, you know, that changes a lot, but, but obviously he changes uh, how they play and gives them another scoring option, and, you know, having him moving forward, uh, playing at a, a high-confidence level, um, but, you know, they may go and lose by 20 tonight against a really good Indiana team and, and lose to a really good Purdue team on, on, on Saturday. I don't know if that changes that look of the season, but, uh, but I feel better about them, and I, I'm sure they feel better about themselves having, you know, just an outstanding win and a tough place to play.
You mentioned, Andy, a tough stretch awaits this Husker basketball team. And before we dive into the nitty-gritty, I need your take. The candy-striped warm-up pants, fashion faux pas, or classic basketball look? You know, it's, you know I think the historic programs, um, you know, need to, to, uh, to keep that tradition, right? I mean, that's what makes Indiana, uh, you know, it, 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 it's unique to them. It's special. Um, you know, it's a, probably a top five venue to play in, and, and all of that plays into the, uh, you know, just what Bob Knight created in, in you know, 30 years of, of, of a highly successful, one of the you know, most storied programs in college basketball. Bob Knight probably still doesn't and didn't then care about fashion, uh, and, and he's kind of a throwback John Wayne type, so... If they're tough enough for him, I think you can you can rock the candy stripes. Pretty iconic. Let's talk about tonight's matchup. Trace Jackson Davis, fantastic. But Indiana is mortal uh, when it comes to uh, physicality. Uh, they're tough, but Rutgers is one of those throwbacks, uh, you know, tough, rough uh, rim protector teams, and that's where Indiana stubbed their toe. Fair to say, Andy, this is a more physical Nebraska team that – may be able to hang around to compete a little bit longer because of how they're built this year? They have been. I mean, you know, Walker's 23, Greasel's 23, uh, Vanderbilt's 23. Like, you know, these, these guys have, have played a lot of college basketball. And, and you know, Gary is, is uh, you know, a, a veteran, tough-minded, you know, willing to, to go in and, and compete and, and rebound. Um you know, even Blaze Kata and, and Wilhelm coming off the bench, you know, they, they bring a mentality of, of, of physicality. So that they are not going to be intimidated. Now, can can we find ways to score, you know, give Fred credit? I, I thought he was really creative on how they use Walker and then obviously found Sam in kind of an NBA post-up, you know, game were really the only two areas that they could manufacture a lot of shots. They're going to be they're going to be challenged at Indiana find a way to score against a really athletic you know, team that pressures not like St. John's in the full court, but Indiana will really get up and, and deny and, and make things uh, difficult in the half court. So, you know, if they can find some baskets, uh, I don't think Indiana, you know, uh, is super talented offensively. I mean, they can go through some scoring droughts where I, I think defensively we can hang in there a little bit. But, you know, certainly a, a challenge, uh, you know, Rutgers uh, having just beat them, you know, uh, Coach Woodson will have uh, – have their attention, but they do go to Arizona next. I think they have Kansas to follow that. So it's still a little bit of a trap game for, for Indiana. And, you know, how well can we handle a big win, too, right? That's another question that we'll find out tonight. Andy, what does Nebraska need to do tonight in front of that tough Assembly Hall crowd? It's a great venue to play in, uh, but it is a, an imposing home court advantage for the, the Hoosiers. So what does Nebraska need to do well tonight to be able to try and, and negate that and stay in this game? Yeah, I, I think they they need to find some some shots for their shooters. I thought Creighton did a really good job of, of of face guarding and not giving us the you know some of our better shooters open looks, and you know that's what really opened Walker up to, to drive. But I, I think in order for us to score in the seventies, you know we're going to have to make some perimeter jump shots. So you know I'm, I'm sure Fred's looking at some creative ways to to get some of his shooters you know more more you know good shots. And you know the second thing, anytime you play in the league. You know, and Nebraska did a good job against Creighton. You just have to stay attached. You just have to to stay at two points, four points, three points, lead by one. Uh, you know, you have to be really careful not to get down 10-11 where, you know, the crowd's into the game and, and it makes those, you know, the finish of those games more difficult. But, if you know, if you can stay attached and keep some game pressure on teams that are expected to win, 
you know, I felt Creighton, Creighton felt that pressure. I, you know, they didn't shoot it well late. There's kids that didn't want to take shots late. Um, so, you know, when you're, when you're up by 10, it's easy to, to, to take a shot and make or miss. There's no pressure there. But when you're, you know, when it's a one, two, three point game, I, I think shooters feel that pressure. And, you know, if you can stay attached, you make a couple plays late, you can, you can still road game. So, you know, it'll be important for them to get off to a good start and, you know, manage it in four minute increments, uh, media timeout to media timeout and, and you know, try to stay as, you know, as attached as you can and, you know, make some shots down the stretch, make some plays and, and find a way to win. Andy Markowski with us, Husker standout, Hale Varsity Radio. Andy, before we say goodbye, once your early season, I know it's December, but your, well, your crop report, so to speak, early impressions of Big Ten men's action and then, of course, the Big Ten women uh, from a from a projection standpoint, what do you think's the number for for the league this year for the men and for the women? Yeah, you know, it, it's early. Certainly the, the women's side is, is a lot deeper than it was a year ago. I, I thought the league was kind of six deep, and then it dropped off. I think this year the league goes really ten deep uh, with really quality teams that are, are probably going to be in the mix for an NCAA tournament. I, I don't think the, the back end of the men um, – is as a strong. I think it take, took a little step back, and I don't know if the top end is good enough to to prove that it's you know a top two or three league in the country. You know, you look at Michigan, Michigan State. I, I certainly think Purdue is legit. Indiana is legit. Um, so you know, I think the Big Ten man is probably seven ish um, to, to my eyes. But you know, when you play twenty league games, um, you know, it, it, injuries. Michigan already just had a, an ACL, right? So. You know, it's such a long grind. Um, you have to stay healthy. You have to catch the breaks. Uh, but, you know, the, the men's side of it doesn't appear to be elite, but, you know, it, it's always good. Uh, the middle of the pack is, you know, it's hard to win on the road. You know, the middle of the pack still has, has good teams with good players that, that can beat you. Um, you know, I look at, like, the Minnesota, Northwestern, those programs appear to be down a little bit. So, you know, I, I think it's a chance for Nebraska to kind of jump up into that, you know, that top you know, nine-ish, you know, could they could they sneak into the, do a nine spot? Um, you know, we'll, we'll see. You know, Creighton's one win, but I, I do feel like this team is, it has the pieces that fit together, and it, it appears that, you know, they're playing for each other and together, and, you know, when that happens, uh, you can have a successful season. Andy, last thought here, the impact of Derek Walker and what he did in the game on Sunday, did that change your expectations for the season this year? we got about 30 seconds left. No, I, I I knew what he could do. I mean, Fred runs a ton of offense through him, and you know I think I made reference to it as the St. John's game. If they would have had him, you know, that they can they can alleviate pressure by by putting the ball in his hands in the middle of the floor. You know, they they really missed that in that St. John's game. I think the thing that changed my mindset was their ability to rotate and defend and rebound uh, in a, in a you know in a tough environment against a really good team. You know that that travels. I mean that that you could take that anywhere in the Big Ten, and if you if you can deliver that type of effort and, and energy and length and toughness, uh, you know you have a chance to to win Big Ten games. I think that's you know where my mind's at right now. That defense will travel and give them a chance to be competitive. Andy Markowski, Andy, have a good ball game tonight. Thanks for the time. All right, guys. Thanks. He's in his thirties, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now. Say my name. It's Schmitty on Hail Varsity Radio. I got the body of a caught preteen Swedish boy. Back with you, Jock Doc Wednesday, Nebraska Orthopedic Center. Dr. Brandon Seifert with us. Dr. Brandon, how are you? 
I'm good, guys. How are you doing? We're hanging in. One of us in the room's a Bronco fan. One of us is laughing at uh, Denver as they fell in that shootout, <laughs> ten to nine, to uh, to Baltimore last uh, last Isn't Sunday. That- Oh, Isn't that painful. called the Super Bowl or something like that? Uh, I don't know, man. There's not enough gummies in the Lodo to make you want to sit through that thing. Uh, all, all I know is I was watching that game. Or I wasn't watching the game, and then the fourth quarter rolls around. I go, the Broncos are up by six. Maybe I better watch them beat the Ravens, and I flip it on. And of course, they rip my Give heart out. Give it time. Session, so. Well, there are a number of Baltimore fans that love just checking out Lamar Jackson, how dynamic he is, and he's – a different quarterback in a great way where his athleticism's on display and the guy's really worked hard on being a thrower and man he's just instant offense but uh, he's going to be slowed down uh, a sprained PCL Dr. Brandon and that's uh, a little bit of a uh, chunk of flesh or pound of flesh that Denver fans can take uh, with them <laughs> not that you ever want to hurt a guy but tell us about a sprained PCL I know there's different grades of sprains but the uh, the responsibility of that ligament, the PCL, and how it affects a guy like Lamar. Yeah, absolutely. So if we think about PCL anatomically, you know, we may have talked about this in the past. I was trying to remember back, but at any rate, uh, anatomically, we're looking at you know, it's a cruciate ligament. So there's two kind of central cruciate or crossing ligaments in the middle of the knee. There's the one in the front we always talk about, the anterior cruciate ligament or the ACL. This would be the one behind that called the posterior, posterior cruciate ligament. Um, not as, not injured as much. Um, if you were to flip a coin, say which is the better of the two, the PCL injury most likely is the better of the two to have. Um, lower grade sprains of that grade one, grade two, uh, you can get around with doing that non-operative treatment. Typically with those, grade threes become a little bit more controversial in terms of the affix them or leave them alone. Um, they're talking a pretty early return for him, so my assumption with him would be kind of low grade, grade one, grade two. Most of these end up being around kind of grade two sprains where you've kind of stretched those fibers maybe by about 25 or 50%, and that's most likely what he's looking at. Three weeks, four weeks, that's the timeline. You have a fierce wild card race right now with not only Baltimore but uh, some other teams in the AFC and that divisional race, too, between them and Cincinnati. There's a half-game lead for Baltimore. So uh, a thought here uh, from a pain management standpoint and a mobility hindrance, uh, you, you come back from this thing four weeks, what are you doing in the meantime to treat this and then, what's the uh, the re-injury rate like uh, if you're if you're playing if you're coming off a, a PCL sprain? Mm-hmm. You know, with these the the early treatment, uh, there's some kind of controversy about you know what to do with this. How aggressive are you with therapy early on versus what kind of bracing do you use? Um, the bracing technique I like is you can put them in uh, one of these uh, hinge knee braces kind of locked in a certain amount of what we call kind of flexion or knee bend just to take some pressure off that PCL. And then you allow them to do some kind of early range of motion, usually with assistance with a therapy or athletic trainer, um, kind of early on to allow for some healing. Um, if you've got more time to kind of spend on this, you can kind of take that process out four to six weeks if need me, especially for higher grade sprains. For some of the lower grade sprains, like your grade one, you're, you're probably not doing that. Your grade twos, you're probably doing a hybrid of that where maybe you're doing two or three weeks of that kind of limited range of motion. Uh, but you can still get pretty aggressive on the quad strengthening. 
with him, they're going to probably be aggressive and shoot for that kind of three- to four-week timetable. Um, I've been impressed with how some of our college kids do respond to these. And, you know, initially that first seven to ten days don't look that great. And then all of a sudden that kind of that second, third week, they start to look fantastic. And then they're back out there running around before you really want to release them to do it. Um, and so that would be the course that he's likely going to take. Um, and so you've got hard therapy, you know, at least kind of starting around that two-and-a-half, three-week time frame with these athletes. A couple, a little bit of rest in the front end would be kind of my summary of it. Dr. Brandon Seifert's with us here. It's a Jock Doc Wednesday here on Hale Varsity Radio. And, Dr. Brandon, you mentioned the fact that Lamar may have gotten a little bit lucky, the fact that this was a PCL instead of the MCL. And I want to dive into what the difference is in terms of the force that's applied on, on your knee. Well, what, what leads to an ACL injury and what leads to a, a PCL injury? What's the difference there? Yeah, absolutely. Great question. So if you're going, let's, let's rewind here and go to ACL. So anterior cruciate, when we talk about most often, that would be the one that's in the front. And essentially what that's doing is that's stopping the, the shin or the tibia from sliding forward. And so if you think about as you're moving forward as an athlete, you're cutting, you're pivoting, you're shifting, all that force is really the foot is planting into the ground. That force is transferring you know, up through foot, through ankle, through tibia, into the knee, and that knee basically slides forward. So the majority of motions that we're doing is in that front or anterior direction. And so that's going to be a more important ligament um, that's just more vital to the functions we're naturally doing. The PCL is more for the same structure, the shin or the tibia. That's when it kind of slides back. You know, more rare to have a PCL injury anyhow just with the mechanism it takes to do that. It's basically, if you think about riding in a car, and your knee's bent at about 90 degrees, and that knee, at least the top part of the shin, runs into the dashboard and pushes that tibia shin backwards. That's how you would injure your PCL from that mechanism. So in the football field, typically what we'd see, obviously somebody's running into the front of your knee while the foot's planted, or more often than not, you go down on the field and that uh, top of the shin lands on top of a player, then somebody lands on top of you, and then there's that directed force posterior to the back. And that's how those injuries basically differ. And so... It's not that one versus the other is necessarily a worse injury. It's more about how do you use your knee, what do those ligaments function as, and what's the you know, sport that you're doing. And really it's the ACL you're using more often than the PCL um, in those activities in terms of the really hard cutting and shifting slash pivoting activities. Dr. Brandon Seifert's with us, Nebraska Orthopedic Center, a jock doc Wednesday, Lamar Jackson, his PCL sprain, our topic. Now, with the PCL, does this sprain and, and discomfort, is it more affecting lateral mobility or, or north-south kind of explosiveness? Because Lamar's got it all. He can get zero to 60 real quick, but he's also elusive. Uh, where does this kind of hang around and, and limit his running ability? You know, sure. You know, purely from kind of a – anatomic structure, it would really be more kind of that posterior directed kind of force is still kind of its mainstay of its function. However, just the trauma of having this to your knee, so you think about the amount of force it takes to injure the PCL, um, that force that's applied to the knee obviously injures all the tissues in that knee, so that surrounding structure of your knee is called the capsule. It's basically like a balloon that surrounds the knee. That structure is injured with this. There's usually some bruising in the cartilage that happens, and so you start adding all those things up and really all of the above in terms of what is impacted, lateral movement, pivoting motion. It's anything that you know basically that knee is involved in is, is going to struggle a bit just because your knee it's injured, it's hurt. Um, and really from a ligament standpoint, it's not necessarily the ligament itself that's the limiting 
when I say functional factor, it's actually just more the trauma kind of diffusely within the knee that really limits some of their playing ability, which for him could be quite, you know, dramatic in the sense of he's not necessarily a drop-back passer. He's very elusive and extremely athletic. And so this will slow him down some. And obviously, as you mentioned earlier, he's always running for his life. So this could be pretty tough for him when he comes back early. Dr. Brandon, have a good rest of your week. Thanks for a few minutes today. All right, fellas. You all take care. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time, midweek edition, Hale Varsity Radio, presented by Currency for all your equipment financing needs. Go Currency, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Give us a follow on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. And follow the radio show at HVarsity Radio. You can watch Coffee and Cream in the morning. Uh, Damon Benning, uh, of course, uh, doing a great job with Andrew and uh, the crew in the morning. So that's 7 to 9. Check that out. It streams there for you. Also on the Herd Ant uh, platform of uh, their their YouTube channel, Hail Varsity Radio on the Hail Varsity YouTube channel. Day 2. And if you miss any part of the show, podcasts are available plenty. And you can check that out. Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. Uh, give us a rating, good, bad, or ugly. We love the feedback. And then uh, segments you want to hear if you missed Evan Bland or want to hear Mike Babcock from today, those will be individually posted. If you're going to go for the the old treadmill death march, God love you, uh, the whole show available for you. Tomorrow, Brandon Vogel, uh, Gary Barnett, Mike Leach, the pirate sighting. I was just watching a little video on YouTube, a pirate walking through coaching and teaching his his practice set up, and he was talking about um, a middle-aged man in the back. I really can't read their eyes. I may or may not have a little tobacco on me, and uh, but it's about coaching and the process and, and how they get their, their reads in from a quarterback standpoint. Well, you remember that, that in-depth story that was in, uh, I think it was in The Athletic, about a year ago where they went and talked with all the old uh, quarterbacks that have been under Mike Leach and talked about the, the craziness of the quarterback room. Half the time he's late to a meeting, he's probably talking to us. Well, that's what that's what they said in the thing. Well, was he's like, doing some radio show in well, Lincoln. Well, yeah, in, in, in the middle of a, a team meeting, he said, wait, guys, I got to take this. And he just paused the team meeting for 20 minutes while, the, in the words of the quarterback, he's talking to some radio show in Nebraska. Yeah. And I'm reading that and going... That was us. Is that us? Yeah, is that, that us? us? So uh, maybe he'll be in the meeting uh, in the middle of a meeting tomorrow whenever we talk to him. I think he might be in the middle of recruiting tomorrow. That's fair. It is that time of year, isn't it? Yep. <laughs> Imagine him just in recruits living room. Wait, guys, I got to take this. It's Chris no, Schmidt and Elijah Herbert. We, we, uh, <laughs> we always have fun with him during the, the holiday. He uh, spilled the beans on Santa a few years back, mm-hmm. yeah. which was <laughs> quite good. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you had a little one in the car. Reminder to get buckled up. Using your seatbelt saves lives, prevents injuries only if properly worn. Buckle up. A message from the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. So, rounding out the week, we are scheduled to have a member of the Nebraska Offensive Line Friday. Don't know who yet. Hmm. But uh, they are doing a autograph session 
from 10, let me get the time right, the downtown 1120 P Street. Our friends at Alumni Hall having an autograph session. And let me pull that up here. Pretty sure it's 10 to noon. 10 to noon, downtown, Alumni Hall, uh, Husker offensive lineman, pipeline jerky. So we're going to talk to one of the old linemen, presumably Friday. Well, you know I love talking offensive line, but looking forward to that. Yep. See if you can pull some strings and bring some jerky for us, though. Right. Uh, I'm sure. Yeah, Elijah's like, most important part, bring jerky for me. <laughs> talk to you tomorrow at 4 on Hale Varsity. Thanks. A Huda Media Production.